0: good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you find yourself. Dead people get more done. That is the title for today's uh, podcast. Those of you who have uh, listened to some of, of my podcasts have heard me say before that I really try to produce a podcast once a week that just deals with a specific text from the ancient Christian scriptures Uh, Today we're going to look at John chapter 12, and um, yeah, so this this lesson will be more uh, a biblical discussion, uh, and and try and just look at a text and say, well, you know what, how is this applicable to our lives, and what does this mean, what's going on here? I do then also try to do a podcast once a week that's maybe more designed for all types of different groups of people, rational thinking, reasonable people, that's about worldviews, but today's podcast really will be more relevant for people who find themselves to be Christians and and who do respect the, the scriptures that we do have the this piece of writing that has been preserved for so, so very long. So it's good to have you uh, on the podcast today. And I hope that whatever is going to be said will be a blessing to you and it will um, influence and empower your spiritual life. We're going to look at John chapter 12. From verse 20 to 36, the title is Dead People Get More Done. Well, what is a dead person? What I mean by a dead person, a corpse? Obviously, a corpse can't get much done. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about a dead, a dead servant of Jesus. You are spiritually, you have given up your life, you've given up yourself, you've given up your own ambitions, your own desires, you've given that up in service to Christ. The great Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is what the great Apostle said. And that is what I mean today when I talk about somebody being dead now. You might not have read uh, John chapter 11 or even John chapter 12. Let me just give you a little bit of context as to what is going on here before we read the text for today. In chapter 11, we see Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead right and lazarus is the sibling is the brother of mary and martha they were disciples of jesus and jesus has a very close relationship with these three siblings he loves them deeply in actual fact it's only them and the apostle john that the text seems to say that jesus loved them now we know that he loved everybody but the text specifically says that he loved these people and so he jesus raises lazarus from the dead and what do you think is going to happen when something like that happens well everybody hears about it everybody wants to go meet the guy who raises people from the dead but not everybody who hears about it is happy about it the pharisees they are upset the high priest is upset the uh the 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 chief priests they are upset why because Thousands and thousands of people are now running after Jesus and they are no longer running after them. And so we find this this, this beautiful scene as groups of people, they just want to surround jesus but however jesus seems to see that there's some persecution coming and so he um, leaves the area he runs away from the crowd he runs away from the potential persecution and he goes for two months into the wilderness and he just hangs out there with his disciples and then just before the passover about six days before the passover he comes back to bethany the house of misery he comes back to the house of of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Well, we're not sure if he visited in their house that night or if it was in Simon the lepers house, but it, you know, it doesn't really matter for the for the purpose of this podcast for today. And so he goes and he spends some time with them. uh, And we know that he sort of lived at their house. In that last week of his life, that last week before he gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he stayed with them. And so he would move back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem. And I think it's beautiful. It's like he had these close friends that he could just spend time with that last week of his life. And the we see in John chapter 12 from verse 12 onwards to verse 19, we see this beautiful event, this this last Sunday that Jesus spent on Earth before his resurrection, he is on his way to Jerusalem. The, the crowds of people have come. They've moved along. They've come to see this man who raised Lazarus from the dead. OK, they've come to see him. They, they now believe that he's possibly the Messiah and the people put down. Um, they put down palm branches on the road as Jesus approaches and they are shouting Hosanna king of kings blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord they thought that he was the messiah and the king jesus comes riding in on a donkey right and um the 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 it's i think it's just a beautiful a beautiful picture of this last sunday that jesus had and we call it palm sunday okay Um, the crowds of people they were there because they were interested to see this man who raised people from the dead Um, the crowd was probably there because they wanted to see Lazarus the person that was actually the one that was raised from the dead and Jesus goes into Jerusalem in this scene and he is standing up at one point and he starts to preach and I think the people that were around Jesus were the same people who laid down the palm branches okay and he starts to preach this lesson and that's what we're going to look at today uh, in this in this text we're going to look at so let's let me read it to you john chapter 12 verse 20 to 22 and i want you to keep in your mind jesus is now inside the temple we think that he's inside the temple the jerusalem temple the jewish temple verse 20 says now some greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival which festival is this well it's the Passover and um, verse 21 says and so they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and requested of him so we want to see Jesus Philip went and told Andrew then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus now the verses prior to that in verse 19 says Look, this is the Pharisees. Look, the whole world has gone after this guy. And so everybody's running after Jesus. And now we read in verse 20 that there are Greeks coming after Jesus. They are not Jews. They are Greeks. It's possible that they are proselytes. Now, a proselyte is a, is a person, it's a, a, a pagan or a Gentile that is converted to Judaism. Okay, it's, it's also possible that these guys are Hellenistic pagan seekers. In other words, they don't necessarily worship the God of the Jews, but they... uh Well, well, they're not Jews, but they do sort of worship the God of the Jews. Now, there were many of these people during the first century. And people who would go around, they would worship the Greek gods. They would worship the Roman gods. They would worship the Persian gods. And then they would come and they would worship the Jewish gods as well. And so, you know, and today even there are many people like this. They claim that all the gods are fine and they worship all of them. And when they say God, they refer to the God of the Hindus and the Muslims as well. Okay, so it might be a similar... um, Uh, a similar event either way but these greeks they then come to the temple and they say well we want to see jesus why can't they not just not see him now the the old testament seems to indicate that they that these guys they were allowed to worship at the temple but they weren't allowed to go into the temple and so there was a designated area in the outer courts where these guys these greek guys could worship now it is it is possible that jesus is inside and they are outside that's why they called to see him Now, Peter, the apostle said, you know, it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate or visit with a foreigner. That's Acts 10 verse 28. So a guy like Jesus or these Jews, they weren't actually allowed to associate or visit with these Greeks. Now, there are only out of the 12 disciples, there are only two disciples whose names have a Greek origin who would like to uh, figure out. (laughs) what those names are well we just read it philip and andrew now philip seems to be a sort of a timid guy and andrew is a more outspoken guy and so these greeks decide let's go to some of the greek disciples of jesus okay and let's go to them first and let's go to philip first he's more timid he's not outspoken and loud and then let's get him to convince andrew To then go and ask Jesus if we could see him. And so the Greeks go to the Greeks. And their attitudes can clearly be seen in the text with the term Sir. So so they went to um, Philip and they called him Sir. Which means Lord or Master or Supreme Authority. They respected Philip because he could give them access to Jesus, the Resurrector. They had already seen Jesus probably, but they couldn't get close to him. They wanted to converse with him, and that is what they requested. Now, Zacchaeus, if you remember the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus. But these men, they wanted more. They wanted a relationship with him. Now, Jesus doesn't go see them. He doesn't go converse with them. He suddenly starts preaching to the crowd around him listen to what he says in verse 23 so th- just imagine this they come to him and say hey Jesus there are some Greek guys they want to meet with you okay and this is how Jesus responds Jesus replied to them the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified truly I tell you unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground it remains and dies It remains by itself, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. It's interesting what he says there. He says, first of all, the hour has come, and that tells me that he has been waiting for it. He's been waiting for this message from these Greek guys that he hasn't even met yet. First, he gets anointed by Mary. That's what happened earlier on in John uh, chapter 12. Mary went and she um, she she poured expensive perfume on his feet right? So and that was an embalment that was a symbolism of him dying on the cross. it's the embalment of his dead body. Now the Gentiles are knocking on the door of the kingdom of God. that's what's happening here. Yeah? This signaled to him hey, The pagans, the Gentiles, they want to know the God of the Jews. In John chapter 10 verse 16, Jesus said, There are other sheep that must come into the fold. And so, what is he referring to there? He's referring to other people who are not Jews. They must also come into the fold. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 2 to 3 says, Darkness will cover the earth, but the Lord will shine and His glory will appear, and foreigners will come to the light. Oh! Oh! Here is another prophecy. When the Gentiles seek the Messiah, then the time has come. Well, the time for what? The time for His purpose to be met, for the human race to be saved, for His Father to be glorified, and for Satan to be sentenced. Let me unpack this a little bit. Have you ever anticipated a sermon But when the sermon came, it was sort of disappointing. I remember when we came to the States, we were taken to a very nice burger place. Everybody said, these are the best burgers in town. And I was just looking for a burger that I would like. I looked on the menu and I saw that there was a chili burger. And so I ordered the chili burger. And when the burger came to my um, site, when it was put on the table in front of me, I saw that it had beans all over it. Now, in South Africa, when you have a chili, it is chilies, burning chilies. Not beans. I mean, why did I just say on the menu, look, here's a bean burger. So in my mind, that didn't make sense. Now, I was highly anticipating a nice hot Bernie chili burger. And what I got was a bean burger. That's deep disappointment. Now, walk with me quickly here. Who were the people in the crowd Jesus was preaching to? Who were these people? The people standing around Jesus at this moment in time, they were the people who had heard of the resurrection. They, they know Jesus had raised somebody from the dead, right? They believed that he was the Messiah. They put palm branches down in front of him. Why? Because he was their king. So they expected a great sermon. That was the expectation. A great sermon about life. About the future of Israel. About how he was going to relieve Israel from Rome. And they are standing there and they're rubbing their hands together like that. Oh, I can't wait to hear the Messiah preach. He's standing in the temple courts. He's going to preach some great things for us now. He's going to save us from the hands of the Romans. And what does Jesus say? Uh, I'm going to be glorified and I'm going to die. I mean, I'm going to hang on a cross. And if you want to do something great, you must hate your life. Give yourself up. Do what I do. Die. You talk about a disappointment. Jesus teaches a principle here and then he uses his own life as an example. Jesus is standing at the gateway to death, at the portal to suffering. He lays down His life. Nothing about Him is about Him. He doesn't go to the cross because it's the only choice He has. He goes to the cross willingly to glorify His Father's name. He doesn't care about His own life, only the Father's glory. He was dead before He was born. His life existed to go to the cross. It was prophesied and it was predicted and it came true. He is a seed about to be planted. He is excited about death, but nervous about the pain of dying. Why so excited about death? Why would Jesus be excited about dying on a cross? Because he is worth more dead than alive. You might have heard this before. Husbands who say, you know what, I'm worth more dead than alive. And the point was, if I die, I've got a big uh, life insurance policy, then you're going to have more money than you have when I'm alive. And people have committed some serious crimes because of that truth. Well, here's one person in the world we can definitely say it's true. Jesus was worth more dead than alive. And I'd like to say, you are worth dead. You are worth more dead than alive. And I'm talking about it spiritually. John 7.39 says, when the Son is glorified, The spirit will descend lives would change in other words when Jesus goes to the cross the spirit will come down when Jesus goes up to heaven the spirit would come down okay it will descend upon the earth and bring power to the earth lives would change souls would be saved the earth will shake, the curtain of separation would tear, heaven is altered, the course of history is changed, from the cross he would draw all people to himself. Not only does this event provide salvation for mankind, it would, it would bring life to normal people, both Jew and Gentile. Within a couple of months, there were thousands in and around Jerusalem that became disciples. Within a couple of centuries, there were hundreds of thousands in the Mediterranean region that called themselves Christians or followers of Jesus Christ. In 325 AD, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Emperor Constantine. Within 500 years, Greek temples to pagan gods were being converted to Christian churches all over the Roman world. Jesus is responsible for universities, for hospitals, for science. It was Christianity that developed the printing press and even established the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, Dead people get more done. Jesus throws their paradigm on its head. You thought the Messiah was about kingship and ruling and a long life on earth? You have it wrong. The Messiah is about reconciliation with God, rulership over the kingdom of darkness, the destruction of evil, and it's about eternal life with God. It is about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Israel. The enemy isn't Rome, the enemy is Satan. And so you need to get with the program. You see, you can preserve yourself for yourself or offer yourself for others. Now, which statement fits you? Which statement fits most people? Most people prefer to be a seed preserved in a bottle somewhere on a shelf over being placed in the ground to die, germinate and produce a harvest. Do you know why Christians come across lifeless and why they feel lifeless? Do you know why Christians look so dead? Because they are just beans in the cupboard. Utterly useless. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 36, You fool, you fool, what you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. The question then becomes, how do you give up your life? And what does that mean? Well, you serve Christ. You decide to do it his way, not your way, to do his will, not your will, to glorify his name, not your name, your name. We need to do to him what he did to the father. The Greek word for serve is diaconio, which means attendant, domestic, waiter. You see, a servant follows his master. You go where Jesus goes. Well, why do this? Because, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing that changes the world. The way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus that changes the world. Nothing else. The more people live the way of Jesus, the better the world becomes. You want your life to make a difference? You want to feel alive? Make a disciple. Get somebody to follow Jesus. Help them follow Jesus. And then Jesus says something interesting. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, I haven't read this verse yet, so I'm going to read it to you now. I think I'm skipping ahead here a little bit. I didn't even see that I didn't read that. Yeah, let me read this for you. From verse 25, this is Jesus still preaching, right? The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus responded, This voice came not for me but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Listen to what Jesus says if anyone serves me the father will honor him and that word honor you know what that means? It means to ascribe worth to someone, to hold in awe, to treat as precious. When we die to ourselves, when we live for Him, when we go where He goes, when we speak what what He speaks, the world becomes better, light enters darkness, eyes turn to God, hearts soften up and open up, and the Creator of heaven and earth shouts from heaven, Well done, my child. And then He honors and He elevates. Now, to live like this is not easy, but it's worth it. And Jesus says so in this text. In verse 27, he says, now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. What do you see? If it was easy to serve others and give our lives up for them, everyone would do it. It's Not easy. They say this is one of the things that Mother Teresa said. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway the good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow do good give the world the best you have and it may never be enough give your best anyway for you see in the end it is between you and god it was never between you and them anyway it's not easy to serve ladies and gentlemen It's not easy to hate your life for others. It's not easy offering up yourself. It's not easy dying for people who don't care about you. It troubles your soul to do things for people who don't appreciate you. It's sort of like Jesus was saying this. I want to give up. I want to follow my flesh. But I have come to this very hour for the very reason of glorifying my Father. And that I will do. I will glorify the Father. I am not here for, my, for me or my flesh but for the Father. I will suffer whatever is necessary to lift up your name. The Greek word here for glorify also means magnify. I want to make your name greater. May your name be bolstered throughout the earth. May my life and death make you famous and great throughout the planet. Jesus shows us here in this verse that he is doing what he calls us to do. He is being totally selfless. He is serving his Father. He is giving up his own life so the Father can use him to produce much fruit. Dead people get more done. Verses 31 and 32 essentially says in essence Jesus is saying, I'm about to be crucified. And this will mean the end of Satan and the salvation of every soul on earth. When you crucify yourself, two things happen. You oppose the rule of Satan. You hit a dent into his kingdom. Why? Well, he wants selfish you. He wants fleshly you. And he cannot do anything with you when you are dead. Secondly, the right people will be drawn to you. We all like a friend who would be willing to serve us and give up their lives for us, right? I mean, are you attracted to self-centered people or selfless people? You see, we are all better off with you dead. And you are all better off with me dead. Let me conclude. I think the point has been made. Firstly, dead people glorify God's name alone. And being dead means you desire no glory for yourself. The text doesn't say, Father, glorify my name. You see, Jesus is all about his father. He is dead. It is no longer about him. And what is interesting for me is how God takes it. God says, yes, I have glorified it and I will do so continually. God is the only one in the universe who has the right to take credit and glory for himself because he is God. Secondly, dead people experience answered prayers. Did you see when Jesus prayed, what happened? Immediately the voice from heaven spoke to him. God spoke immediately to him. The voice from heaven was the sign that God honored him. Jesus prays and God answers him directly from heaven. Goodness gracious. Jesus wants to pray and say, save me from this hour, but instead prays, Father, glorify your name. Totally selfless. You want to take your prayer life to the next level. Give up your life. Thirdly, dead people are more passionate about life after death than life before death. In verse 34, the people are upset. The text says, Then the crowd replied to him, We have heard from the Lord that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? In other words, he's saying, Man, you're supposed to live forever. Now you're saying you're going to die? Are you gonna die we thought you're gonna live we thought you'll be our king we thought you are going to change the political situation and I find that interesting because isn't that exactly the same thing today and it happens in every country we are so caught up in politics we are so passionate about it that we miss the heart of Jesus imagine we could be so passionate about Jesus as we are for or against President Trump or President Biden. Imagine we could have our priorities the correct way. And fourthly, dead people are obsessed with the one who can raise them from the dead. We didn't spend real time looking at verse 35 to 36, but let me read it. Jesus answered, the light will be with you only a little longer walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you the one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going while you have the light believe in the light so that you may become children of light jesus said this then went away and hid from them so jesus gives them a final lesson before he returns to bethany and hides from the crowd. The light is Jesus. Jesus had earlier said that he is the light of the world. And now he says, I'm with you for a short while. In other words, stick to me. Listen to me while the truth is with you. Don't throw away this opportunity. If they only knew that there were five days left with Jesus on earth, what would you give to spend one day with Jesus? I pray some thoughts in this lesson has been a blessing to you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Bye.